Good afternoon, parents and caregivers, and welcome to a second episode of Special Needs Parents Hangout. I'm your host, Sylvia Morango Chavo, the founder of Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons. And Andy Speaks is the organization that is behind this as we try in our mandate to advocate so that we can have our children integrated into society and at the moment going through the challenges that we have uh, because of COVID-19 we want to still be there and walk this journey with you and ensure that our special children also are continuing with their lives without so much disruption although we all know that that is almost impossible but we want you to do the best you can as a caregiver. We shall be hosting Perpetual Omoli, who is the founder of Occupational Dynamic OT. She's an occupational therapist, and we're going to be discussing home program. So how do we ensure that our children continue with activities that will build them, sustain them with what we have in the home? So as a parent, I will need for you to also first identify where your child is, what is lacking, what are we afraid of regression of our children? And then from there, we specify a goal. And then from the checkout of how she's going to guide us, then you will be able to know what works best for your child, perpetual. So when you know and are able to communicate clearly what your child can be able to do and what they cannot be able to do, then the, the therapist or the medical practitioner will be able to know the how they can help you. So in regards to home program, when you share with the therapist, then the, like, let's say the first time you're sharing with the therapist, they'll be able to know, oh, so when I work with this child, I will start first with the crawling, then we move to walking because as the parent has described and as I've also seen from the child, this is what the child, this is where the child is and this is where the child needs to go. So we need to be very keen with our children that we get to understand and we get to express it because i know many parents can be able to understand the challenges the children have when an, an autistic child bolts out of the room is busy touching things is up and down it actually destabilizes what you really wanted to say so sometimes I would recommend you take notes, take notes of what you notice, what you want to work on. So by the time you are meeting or interacting with the therapist, irrespective of what you need to do at that moment, you are able to express it fully. Then the, the how can also vary. So it can, the first thing is can be, the how can be first an assessment. So it can be either a physical assessment, watch earlier before the COVID, or it can be an assessment via telehealth. And the telehealth assessment, they vary. So not all assessments can be done via telehealth because some, 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 some need the physical presence of the child and the therapist. So then now one is the, 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 the assessments. And then two is the, you can actually get uh, activities from your therapists in whatever form, in whatever aspects, even if it's telehealth or, or through photos, then also, you can you can also get activities online so the how varies but then uh we have to understand what is the need what is the basic need of this child what do we need to get what does this child need to get then the the the, the other thing that i would say is that the with the how it is as per the needs of your child as I, as I keep on repeating is that every child is an individual. So what is the need of your child? 
let's just, if you can imagine your child, just take notes in your head, what are my child's needs? So then now, from the needs of the child, that is where the home program will come from. That is where you'll work on. That is what you'll do. From the, also from not only your child's needs, the home program can also be based from your interest, the interests of your child. So let's say, for example, one child likes painting. So your home program, not everything, but some of it can be tailored around their interests. They like painting, but they have poor core strength. So I'll make them lie on their tummy and paint well on their tummy. Or they can kneel and paint, or they can paint while on a therapy ball, or if I don't have a therapy ball, they can paint in this position that will be able to help their costume. So knowing their interests can be a pool, like, like the carrot, the donkey and the carrot. So knowing their interests, you can actually use it as a carrot during your home therapy. Use it in the therapy and they will be able to do the activities they are supposed to do. Then the next thing we might need to consider is the guides on how, as I said, Every child is different, every parent is different, every home is different, and every support group is different. And by and large, there's nothing wrong. It is all okay. As practitioners, we just have to understand the fact that all, 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 all our clients are not the same. All the children are not the same, all parents are not the same, all homes are different. So, as I said, it has to be so individualistic. We have to be so considerate and take time to know what are the interests of this child, to understand this child, understand the parent. How is their schedule? Can they be able to do it two days a week? Can they be able to do it one day a week? Can they be able to do it three days a week? Can they be able to do five days a week? And then what is available at home and where is their home? You can imagine someone living in a high-rise apartment and the therapist right, take the child out for swinging. So the therapist maybe is assuming that there's a swing in the compound or make the child run around the field 10 times and maybe they don't have room for space. So understanding the home, the particular home and what is at their disposal and what they have and what they can access is important. Then also get to follow up with the support groups the parent is in. There are some support groups, there are many support groups and people prefer different support groups for various reasons. But as the parent is in the support groups, find out from the support groups what information are they getting? Can they get uh, activities while they're in the support group? So this is, these are the guides to the how. And still continuing, and we need to understand our particular needs, as I said. Then also get professionals to educate you about your child. So that's the big Get you about your children. They will tell you uh, when a child has this, most likely they will have these challenges. Or when a child has this, these are their strengths. Because I think we also need to focus on our children's strengths. So well, at they are at home right now, we may. Then another thing I would like also to mention is that for the parents with the special needs, as a parent of special needs, you will always be special in one way or another. So what are your needs as a parent with special needs? So I would mention this because when you meet your needs, it will be easier for you to work with the child. Then you'll find that if you have the need of affirmation, if you have the need to know you are doing the right thing, if you have a need 
that will make you just or give you space to just relax and take care of yourself. I would like to say that as a parent, don't forget yourself, even in the home therapy, you are the person who does the activity. So you have to be, try to be okay. It, it really is, 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 a, is an important place. I know it is, I, I can't say I understand, but I can only imagine how hard it might be to juggle many things at once. But I would say if you just spend a few hours or one hour or two of the week to meet your needs, you'll be more energized, you'll be like a recharge. So I would like to motivate parents to take time. And I know Sylvia has, has things planned for you in that dynamic. So now we come to the question of what. What can I use for the home therapy program? So all this is linked. The why, the how, and the what. They are all linked. So what can I use? Now it goes back to every home is different. So it is what is accessible to you that can be used as therapy. So that's why we were saying also in the at back there, we need to get professional advice. So the therapist can tell you, use this to work on this. As we said, for it to be effective, the therapist also has to communicate the why you are using, maybe for example, uh, the dough for chapati, I tell you to give your child so that they play with. I have to explain why I'm giving you that, play, that dough for chapati for that child to play with. So what can I use? It depends on what you have. I would advise parents to take a list of what they have, even simple thing as toys. It is just like creating your own home checklist. Create a list of what you have. I have this, I have this, I can use this, I can use this, I can use this, I can use this. But then this, now the list, once you finish with your list, remember the why. So when we know if you are working with fine mortar, if you have a list with pencils, you have a list with tissue paper, you'll have a list of straws, you'll be able to know, okay, for now I can use these straws to help my child with the fine motor skills. For the parents with cerebral palsy, if you're working with your children, maybe for example, to be able to improve their cost length or their, to be able to, to make sure that they, they, they are trying to move in whatever dynamic using their hands, or trying to walk or crawl. It's just that if you understand why and what is your child's need, then even something like uh, a mtungi at home or a, a jerrican can still be effective for you. So I would recommend for you parents to just take a list. Take a list. First, the first thing I would say is make a list of your child's needs according to what you have been explained to by the therapist and according to you as a parent. Because remember at home, you also have the perspective of seeing and, and knowing what you want to work for. So one is a list of what your child needs. Two, uh, I would jump the how, I would go to the what. Create a list of what you have. What do I have that I can use? Oh, at home? My name is for therapy. Okay. So create a list of what my why my children, the needs my child has or children, because I understand there are parents who have more than two. So that makes you create two lists. So create a list of what they need and what skills they have and what skills they have not achieved. Then create a list of what you have. Nice list when you write what you have. And then now you start matching. This list, this thing will be able to work on this particular skill. This one will be able to work on this particular skill. I would go for the idea of you don't have to buy everything 
I would say use what you have right now. Use what you have in your home right now. You don't have to go buy anything right now. Use what you have. But create those lists. Take the time. So before you even start embarking on the home program, create your lists. Create of the needs of the child and then create the list of what you have. Now start matching. And then you get to see what can my child do with these things I have created a list. So when you start matching, you'll be able to see, oh, I can do this activity. Then I can do this one with him, like this one or her. I can do this one. You still need to plan. And I would recommend you plan before you start so then your therapy will be very, it will be very smooth. I know there are people who like spontaneity. Spontaneity is good, but plan this part first of the therapy. So you can pick the activities spontaneously, use them. You can even do activities, home therapy during feeding. You can do home therapy during bathing, during dressing, during changing, teaching a child how to roll over. But it's just have to, you have to understand the needs of your child. List them up if you can. Then list, them, list what you have, what you can use. And then what you can use also put yourself there. Because as a parent, as an individual, you can still be an item or uh, a living item, if I can say, that can be used for therapy. You can use yourself. How do I able to, to be able to jump with my child? How can I swing my child in a particular way so that they can be able to feel that that input, the sensory input. So also schedule now time, because we need to schedule time for therapy. And I would say we start, the way you'd go to a gym session, they never make you start working out throughout the week. They start gradually. So even with the home program, I would recommend you start gradually. Let's just pick three days a week. Pick the three days a week and then start. And you have already created your list of needs. You have created a list of what you can try. And with home therapy, we have nothing about perfection. You just try it, trial. But I would recommend if you have a professional you can consult, please consult them because they will be able to guide you. But if you already have been going through sessions with a professional, you have an idea. But if there's anything that requires any manipulation of your child's joints or body, I would still recommend you seek professional help that they will be able to guide you from whichever dynamic to be able to do the right thing. So you have your wise, you have what your child needs to do, then now you have what you have at home and what you can access, and then now which time are you going to schedule it? Because uh, interestingly, we, we never have extra time. We never have extra time, and I think we shall never have extra time as parents. So we have to put it in a schedule. And a schedule doesn't have to mean that at exactly 6.45, I will do the home program. If it works for you that way, well and good. But what I can say with your schedule is that every day that you pick to do your home program, make sure you do it. Whatever time, make sure you do your home program. Whichever time of the day. Another thing I would also mention is that take record of your home program. You don't have to write it. You can also record it. You can also show your therapist what you're doing. You can also write it if you, if you like writing or if you prefer writing. Take records. Because at times, even as a parent, if you take records of what you're doing, you'll be so surprised because you'll say, like, say, for example, my child wrote one sentence today. Two weeks later, you write, my child wrote three sentences. 
Three weeks later, you write four, five, six, seven. So even you from a home perspective, you can still see progress and you can still use that in whatever capacity, showing that parents that you can do it and it can work. You can also just put it so that you celebrate the wins because you need to celebrate the wins of your child. Even the slightest progress should be celebrated. So I would say that what we can use at home, it is as per the home. It is as per your home. It is as per your resources. It is as per what you have. So you don't have to buy everything. You don't have to get everything. You can modify things. I would say learn as much as you can. Because you see, like, for example, they say in the clinic, use a therapy ball. What are the options I can use for a therapy ball? Google and type, what can I use instead of a therapy ball? You will see various options. What can I use instead of a pegboard? You will see various options. What can I use instead of? So that's add what you've seen being used in the therapy program and your child likes it. So just type it, then you'll be able to see the various options. So I'll just have a few samples of items you can use, simple items. This one I picked because during the COVID, the tissues were bought in a large number. Everywhere in the world, we find that tissue went very fast. In the shelves, there are some shelves that didn't have tissues the first week. So these are resources you can have. The first picture shows just a tissue roll that has like paper punched, uh, it's punched one hole in each, and then the child puts straws. So this can give at minimum 30 minutes because so these are quite a number and then they have to cut the straws and these are some of the things we can have at home if you don't the one if you don't have the one hole punch the child can even still poke it with a biro so just give them a biro if they they don't if if they they are not their children who can be able to poke themselves give them a biro and they just poke so this one also works on eye hand coordination it works on so many skills just that one activity the next one goes to matching and sorting. You can see we have different colors. And here you can see you can also, you can actually make the child color this one with a crayon. So you can imagine if they color that one with a crayon, they, they, they color and then they, you don't have to have exactly this, but even how to make this, you can still make them. With cotton wool, you roll them up, or even they don't have to be colored. You can even have uh, different things. You can even have, green uh, green small beads so the beads we find in the shops for the hair for the little babies if your child doesn't ingest them or can be able to swallow them they can even try it or you can even supervise this activity and then you see this one has been also done with uh, makeshift uh, tongs so the child is given to, to to hold and throw in so the activities can be so varied it depends also with your time as the parent are you, do you have 20 minutes? Do you have 30 minutes? Do you have a whole hour? So it depends on your time. So the activity is also based on the time you have as a parent. The next one we see is uh, still something with tissue, tissue rolls. <laughs> I pick tissue because it's quite, it is majorly it's found in most homes. So you see like the first one, they had to do a bit of coloring. Then they now did the cutting with the scissors. So now this one works on hand skills, hand strength. Uh, fine motor precision, then the drawing, that's still with the fine motor. 
So this you can do with so many things. You can teach emotions. You can teach uh, uh, social skills with these ones. You can teach so many things. And you see, this one is a bit uh, spaced. This one is bigger. Then this one is really small. And then this is a girl. So you can also teach so many things with, 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 with one, one activity, just like the tissue. Another item is just use of their normal toys. If they have toys, they can still, like this ones, they are doing uh, activities, both hands, they are watching, they have eye-hand coordination, and still the core strength, since they are doing it on your, their tummy. So you can make, and then you can still make it like they, you create something and then they copy something, or they can create their own designs, or you can make designs, take photos, and then they try it even with your little supervision. So this one can be changed into many things. So it's just to be able to understand also what toys do they have? Because many children have toys, so we can still use the toys they have in a fun, creative way. Another one is another one that can be done is this one for the matching letters. Uh, you can make this one big, and this is just carton. So if you don't have these sticks, you can create with paper. So you can make these ones with paper. You don't have to have these ones. You can make it with paper label each paper and you can even make it interesting you can uh, you can use money like the five shillings uh, uh, you can you can cut this to be like the one shilling or the five shillings and then you can stick letters on top of the five shillings so they will put in money like slotting in money and its letters so it is just the time and the pre-planning what i can say is that home program it is just the planning pre-planning you have made that will make it very effective you have to plan in advance. You have to know which activity they are doing and you have to see it, they complete it. Because with home blog program, completion is very important. Let's look at another one with pegs. Pegs we can get in many of our homes. And this, this spatulas can be bought if you don't have, or even still you can make it with paper. So this one they are doing matching numbers. So you're teaching numbers and they're still enjoying and they're still working. So it's quite diverse. You can even make colors. So there can be three number eights. One is purple, one is green, one is blue. So then now they will have to pick which peg goes with which color. So you can teach so many skills with our basic home activities. How about reading and writing? Yes, we can teach reading and writing with a peg. It doesn't have to be really writing, but the reading and the, the positioning of the letter. So the matching, can they be able to match? So these ones we see are the wooden ones. If we have access to the plastic ones, you can stick maybe uh, the letters around, then they can be able to spell the letters like picking and hanging the letters. So they can, you can actually create a hanging line and say it is our word hanging. Be creative and tap into the child within you. At times when we just relax and actually enjoy the playing and tap into the child within us, which doesn't feel so much as something taxing, but it just feels something fun. So tap into the child within you and do the home program with your child. Another thing that you can also create at home is a visual schedule. This is a very simple one that shows the child what to do when they go in the toilet. So some of this can be gotten from websites such as do to learn It is D-O number two, then learn. So such websites are, are great to be able to help you to have visual schedules because this one is nice to be able to teach your child how to properly undress and dress well in the toilet. 
So you can still access such, such things. Put these this visual schedules where the child can see and let them just learn and do home therapy for themselves at home. Because you see now sometimes the, 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 the thing we might, we might uh, uh, maybe sometimes miss, uh, maybe are not really understand enough dynamic. The home therapy sometimes is not really, doesn't have to be physical work, but even such like things like the visual schedule, it's, it's actually therapy in its own way. So in conclusion, I would like to say is one, know which skills you're building on. Is it fine motor? Is it gross motor? Is it visual? Is it hand? If you are a bit stuck, please consult with a practitioner, get to know what skills can I work on. This is my child. Which skills do you think I need to work on? Then what is accessible to you to build? So what, are you, what is accessible to you at home? What can you use? Is it tissue paper? Is it pegs? Is it a whiteboard? Is it a toy? Is it a car? Is what is accessible to you? Then another thing is pre-plan. Get the items ready. Schedule a time of uh, a time in advance that you will have your full attention. I would say full attention. It will be. It, it is quite challenging to let's say for example cook and do a home program. I know some parents have hacked it. Maybe some children are on the sitting chair and they are cooking and they have given them some work. But I would highly recommend you just. You just take time and shelve out that time that you'll be able to be there a hundred percent. If you need help with the other children, just get someone if you can to be able to maybe work with the other children as you work with this one with this shelf time. Another thing I would say is consistency. Be very consistent. Even if you pick two days a week, be consistent with those two days. If you pick three days a week, be consistent with those three days. Because where consistency is, you see progress. It might be small, it might, be, it might take time, but with time, it will, it will actually show. And I would recommend you be consistent because the progress the child has made can be lost if we do like, for example, I do a home program this week, the next home program is in three weeks time, the next one is in five weeks time. So you find that the progress that maybe they achieved in this week one is lost. So that's why I would recommend consistency. Every single week, make sure you set the time. Make sure you set the time to do the work. So do the work, keep the time, and then if you get stuck, always consult. Because at the end of the day, we, we are able to learn best from those who practice and take the time to consult. So with my presentation, I'm done with presentation. I'll take a chance to answer one question that was asked by, by a parent who mentioned that she has a child with, uh, with, with, with autism who is blind and she was wondering which form of therapy can be done. I would recommend that one, I would first ask if they ever had any, any therapies done. If not, then they have to consider consulting a professional because if the child is blind and still has autism, there are some things that needs to be checked. Like for example, we we need to check um, what what level of autism is there. Uh, is it is, are they seeking? Are they are they are they just uh, they want to keep to themselves? But she said she was a little hyper. She's up and about. So I would recommend you still get professional help in whatever capacity. If you are near a sub-district or a district hospital, get to 
get to get to get to consult, get to find out what 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 is the other challenge. But I would also recommend a lot of feeling games. Do a lot of feeling games with your child. Let her touch. What sound is this? If she can give you feedback, if she's verbal, do a lot of listening, do a lot of touching, because she will learn brain. So let her feel and touch different textures. Let her experiment with the different textures. And then also create a path for her at home. Is she able to touch and feel as she's walking? Give her things to know where she's heading, like direct her, like with, with things on the wall. Is she able to feel I'm in the kitchen? Teach her and let her explore the house. And then also what I would like to say is also that talk to her quite a lot and play with her. Because I think the other thing we might also miss is the play. Uh, we, we, we might miss playing with children because we might assume because they are not seeing or they are not understanding. They, or they are at a different level. We might miss playing with them. So I would also recommend to the mom, please play with her. Play with her as much as you can. So if there's any questions from your side, I would be happy to answer. Yes, so we have a question. Uh, someone is asking, what did you say helps when the child lays on the tummy? Ah, so with the tummy, it helps with the core strength and still also if they're lying down with their hands down, it also helps with uh, strengthening the, the, the shoulder. So the core strength is the tummy and the back muscles. So when they lie on their tummy, they're able to, to work on their, those muscles. And then also it still works on the neck muscles because for you to lie down on your tummy, you have to lie on your neck up. So lying down the tummy works on different things, and if they're lying down on their tummy working with both hands, it helps with the bilateral use of them. So it works on very many skills, so it's best to be able to, to help them. Yes, I see many saying that. Yeah. Yes. All right. Then there, there is someone who raised their hand. It says, it's, it's saying Galaxy. So I don't know who Galaxy, I, I don't know who the name, the person is, but I'll unmute you so that you can at least ask. So go ahead. The person who's called Galaxy, ask your question. You had raised your hand. If you'd like to say something, just raise your hand. I can see you and I'll, I'll, I'll allow you. So the person who was the first one to raise their hand, that's uh, Galaxy. Could you please just uh, ask the question? Galaxy J5 Prime. I wish there was another way of highlighting who it is. Okay, anyone else? Yes, Dr. Lincoln, go ahead. Hello? Hello. Yes. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, thank you so so much for that uh, very wonderful presentation. Even the thought of uh, bringing out some of these issues, and I want to also thank Perpetual for that very very informative uh, presentation. And press one or two things that he has said. Number one, uh, just to say that the parent is the best 
doctor for the child. And what he has brought out uh, as very important issues, number one is uh, using what is available for us at home. Um, there's a program called Nurturing Care, and when you're training Nurturing Care, we tell parents you don't even have to buy toys. In fact, the best toys is what you make. Now, the other thing is that the parents must realize that um, therapy is medicine for their children, so that uh, as is saying, consistency is very, very important, scheduling time, so that at the end of it, we are looking at the way you say then it also means that this child with special needs requires that therapy at specific times. So scheduling is, uh, is, is very, very important because it also makes sure, uh, ensures that uh, there is continuity of, uh, of that service. So really, um, I think if we get along all those tips and try to see how we can work with our children, especially at this time of COVID-19, I want to believe that we can see progress. In fact, if we can even make it beyond COVID-19 so that even as we attend uh, therapy in the other areas that we attend, in the clinics and as we go to visit our therapist, if we ensure that there is continuity at home, then there is that likelihood All right. Dr. Okay. So then we have Carol. I don't know, I've lost you. I hope you've finished. Lincoln, you finished. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I did. Thank you, Sylvia. Sorry? I said I did. I finished and told you thank you, Sylvia. Right. Okay. Sorry. I think I'd lost your connection for a while. So we have okay. Carol. Okay. I have a question. Mm -hmm. It uh, concerns children with autism. So there were different, okay, like three or four parents were complaining that um, it's hard for their kid to take, like, you see the way guys are, are keeping safe by putting on masks and, and things. So it's hard for the children with autism to put on their mask. So how do they go about that? Because they also want to take the initial. Um, you want to take that perpetual or do you want me to take it? So take it because you've tried it. <laughs> okay, for my children first, uh, the fact that we're watching TV and they can see everyone else is wearing it, and I introduced it, I put it on. So that curiosity, when you as a parent, it's like the way we show them things by example. So when I put it on, they were curious enough to want theirs. So then you try it, but you'll realize that kids are different. Uh, like someone shared, that the child could not keep, because of the, you know how irritable the band is behind the ear? So you can, if you find that's an issue, maybe if it's a child who enjoys wearing a hat, maybe you can add a button onto the sides of the hat, then the thing goes over the hat. So they wear the hat, it becomes a one piece, a kofia now, and the mask can be on. Because the other thing also you'll find is they cannot keep them on for long, which is a challenge. And due to regression, for example, like one of mine, we are now back to drooling. 
So you find it doesn't stay for long. So I've had to buy the cloth masks and several of them. Like they say, we are going for a walk to just keep their muscles on. So I'll have to keep changing. Because of course, even as it gets worse, now we're introducing another issue of them getting cold and all that. So, but with time also try make them understand why it need, they need to keep it on. As hard as it is for our children to understand, the more you repeat it, the more they will get to understand it. And also involve the rest of the family so that they feel everyone else is wearing it and they also should join in. I, I hope that helps. Yeah? yeah, thank you. Okay, we have another yeah. question. Yeah, thank you. All right, okay. So, more questions. sorry? I've seen more questions. Someone has asked uh, the, the child is tiptoeing mm -hmm. and they were asking if diet helps and what they can do to help with the tiptoeing. Mm -hmm. So, with tiptoeing and dieting, I wouldn't say they're well respected. It's just that the tiptoeing can be can be many things. So I'll still recommend a physical visit to a hospital because it can be maybe shortened tendon. You wouldn't wait the Achilles has shortened or it might be sensory. So I wouldn't advise hundred percent. All I can say is that if you can either clarify or get to find out why the child is doing, is the tendon short, is that the doing, or is it sensory related? Okay. Um, then uh, the other challenge I know most parents are wondering is there is the fear of actually going to the hospital. Are there any occupational therapists who are still um, open? Because I saw messages going around that uh, therapy sessions have closed and, and house calls make it more expensive. So some of the things that we are scared about, like if I call an OT home as opposed to taking my child there, you know, there'll be that exposure and all that. So it could be easier if maybe it could be easier. But that I believe now takes to you talking to the occupational therapist. Then professor, we have another one about concentration. The parents say that it is hard for the child to pay attention and to last when they're doing reading and writing. How do you keep them? Oh. Sorry, Sylvia, please repeat. They're asking for tips for a child who finds it hard to focus when reading or writing. Okay, so, so it prepares the child. So I would recommend more of a movement activity, more of a listening activity, more of an organizing activity. Like you see the tissue one where they are cutting the little, the little the tissue guys. I call them the village people. So they create a whole village. So if they don't have to create a whole village, but before they're sitting down to work, I would recommend they do a bit of movement. They do a bit of something like the jumping jacks, if they can be able to. They do a bit of Simon Says, because now that one works when they're listening. And then now when they sit down to, to read and write, they have had their, like we call them brain gym exercises. Their brain is a bit awake. So they'll be able to sit and do. But then also know your child's threshold because you might be expecting they sit for one hour and that's not their threshold. So know your child's threshold. Is it five minutes? In that five minutes, can you be able to teach something productive? Then let them take a break, a five or ten minutes break. Let's just say five because then they will go to visa. So give them a five minutes break. Let them sit down and then continue. So you have to break their work, break it into chunks. Make them have breaks.
Okay, thank you. Uh, then we have another one. My child has been in a walk in walking therapy, but can walk without aid, though slowly. But recently, she has been bending the knees. What could be the reason and the treatment? So for bending the knees, I would recommend you first find out if there is pain. If you care to straighten the knees, then the, the, the break of the therapy, I would like to know if you continued with the home program. Because if she was walking and then there was a bit of a break in between, there might be a slight regret. So I would also see the consistency even after the break of the therapy. So first find out if there are pain, and then also if you try stretch it to, uh, to straighten it, is she crying or she, is there a bit of pain? So that we also have no, we don't have any shortening of any of those tendons. So find out if there is pain. If there is pain, I would recommend you still now go to hospital for the therapist to be able to see what you can be able to do. Okay, thank you. Then what exercises do you recommend for drooling children? Or drooling, I'll go for blowing exercises. And uh, blowing exercises are quite different. So you can, you can try, and they don't have to take forever. You just now try five or 10 minutes a day, where they, you can roll, they, you can combine. They can actually roll uh, the aluminum foil into small balls, and then they blow. And then you can also do a lot of the, the cotton balls, and then they blow. You can also create uh, like just paper, cut small pieces of paper, which they can even cut for themselves, a fine motor activity. They place them down and then they blow. I'd also recommend they take fluids with the uh, straws. If you have straws, you be able to help them to, to be able to take straws, help them to be able to take thick fluids, yeah. So help them to be able to take thick fluids to the straws. That will be able to help them control their muscle strength. Then um, I think that would be it. Then any 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 vibrating toothbrush or anything on the mouth will be able to help them. So if you have any vibrating toy, any toothbrush, then also I would recommend chewing. If your child can chew gum, it will be good. If your child can chew gum, just let them chew the gum. It is a nice one because when you chew gum, you swallow saliva. You never chew and the saliva teremukas. So it is natural when you chew, it actually keeps the mouth shut. So I would recommend chewing. Then if you are getting uh, chewy for them, let them just be able to chew, chew, chew for some time. And then also a bit of, uh, uh, if, you, if they, do, they don't have anything with coma and chest, they can also do sucking of uh, lollipop or they can suck the, the ice lollies. Remember those ice lollies that they had different colors anything that will give them that sucking so they will get to be able to close their mouth but then another person and another area that can be able to dive into this much more deeply is speech therapists because speech therapists are the ones who do a lot of the mouth things but then in terms of OT that's the much you can be able to do Okay, thank you. Thank you for that, Papetua. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll try and host also a speech therapist to help us with that for those who need to continue with speech uh, from home. Another question, Papetua, that we have here, there was a comment in the section, so for parents, you can go see what, uh, what is also going on there. So to Grace has been advised. Uh, of course, parent is asking, how do you help uh, train a child to sleep? Okay. A lot, a lot of them have been thrown off their sleeping schedules because maybe of the increased uh, screen time and stuff like that. So how do you retrain them back? 
Perpetual. If is that, yeah, you can yeah, hear me, Sylvia? Yeah, yeah, I can now. The thing with sleep, I'll, for me, I would really go back to the hours before they sleep. How, when was the last screen time they had, like light from coming from any screen? It might be your phone, it might be the tablet, it might be the TV, it might be whichever screen you might put. We need to find out when was the last time they were on the screen. So children on the spectrum, if they have screen time really late, their brain is so alert, they find it really hard to go to sleep. So I would recommend if your child is on the spectrum by any chance, make sure, but even all children, make sure their screen time ends at around four or five, so they have several hours before they go to sleep. Another thing they might have a problem is, uh, is, there, is there a quieting down of the environment? Is it going cool and quiet or is it still hyper? So by the time they're going to sleep, they're still hyper. So I recommend you, you tone down the activities at home if possible to go really cool and quiet. And if they, they prefer rocking, their children who will find they just rock, just help them rock to sleep. If they will prefer any joint compression, some do brushing, the brushing protocol before they go to sleep. Some, some do the weighted jacket. I actually have actually seen kids who sleep with the weighted jacket just to give them that proprioceptive feedback until they're able to go to sleep. So it's for you to be able to try all different things Try to see what can be able to work for them. Go tone down their evening, reduce screen time if you can. Then if they don't have screen time and they're still having challenges with sleeping, then still consult a developmental pediatrician because they will look at the hours that they're sleeping or not sleeping. Okay, thanks for that. Okay, another question. A 15-year-old with autism, what therapy can one engage in to help with hyperactivity and the running up and down in screening? Okay, so 15, 15, it means then it is, it is not the management stage because it's not early intervention. So what I would say is that if there's a lot of running around and screaming, then you have to find ways that they will still engage in this activity in a, in a, in a, in a more appropriate way in, in sort. So for example, if they can engage in play outside, because 15 is a, a very active teenager. So they need to be active. Are they getting the opportunity to run outside, run outside and play? Are they getting an opportunity to do heavy, heavy work? Like for example, like lifting, carrying. So they can help you around in the home in lifting and carrying everything. So giving them that input. Because when they're older, you find that some really need heavy more, a bit more input, a little bit more weight to be able to be, uh, um, to be able to work. And then I don't know how long he has done the screaming. But I'll start with the aspect of finding out why the screaming and when is it. So it's just frequency. Is it every time? Is it at a particular time? Is it triggered by something? So then I would also go back to how is the screaming? Is it continuous throughout the day? Is it triggered? Because I tend to find that some, some children have meltdowns and we might classify them as screaming. So you have to really find out the form of screaming. We have to really find out what it is. But I would go to still training him to be able to understand what is the norms, like visual schedules and stories. This one is acceptable, this screaming is a little bit loud, or you can give them opportunities to scream inside a pillow. So the, 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 when they are 15 and teenagehood going that way, it is more of management and teaching them the skills if you can. So with the hyperactivity, still engage them with activities 
and then find ways to calm them down. What will calm him down? Is it rocking? Is it swinging? Is it uh, for 15 year old, I'll go for more of rocking. Is it heavy joints? For 15 year old, I'll go for heavy joints also. Would they prefer heavy joint compression? And for them, it might be more of a jacket, more of a blanket, more movement. So it's still also very individualistic, but you have to identify the timings, like when is this screaming a lot? Because you might find that children who scream quite a lot at a particular time, and is this screaming triggered? And is it, might it be a meltdown considered as screaming? Okay, thank you, Pape. There's someone asking, um, my son can bite, but he can't chew food. How do you train them to actually chew food? So for chewing, it's, it's quite a journey to be able to teach a child how to chew. But the speech therapist does, they actually do that quite a lot. But I would recommend you, you try finger food, you try food that actually If you give them things that will require them to bite, it will promote that chewing. But then still the oral stimulation is very important to be able to stimulate them. But also find out what foods can they eat like with their fingers. Finger foods are quite good to stimulate the chewing. Things that will be able to just help them just get that. Then, then they also would say then the next step called follow up with the speech therapist. Because they are really also working on that. They really work well on also on that one. Okay. Uh, there is a question from Gladys. Gladys? Hello, Sylvia. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I, I, I was asking, I know you're talking about autism, but for those kids who have both autism and cerebral palsy, what happens if they cross Is there any kind of uh, specific therapies that we can do, especially in the issue of crisscrossing the legs? Actually, it is open. Uh, Andy Speaks is for all neurodiverse. It doesn't matter if it's autism, cerebral palsy, DS. The only difference is I'm a parent of autistic children, but all our forums are open to all parents. So long as your child is neurodiverse, you're very welcome. And Perpetual, please answer the question. Okay. So for, for the child who has both autism and cerebral palsy, you will be required to do therapy that will work on both, both conditions. Therapy that will work on electropathy and therapy that will work on autism. So you had a question about crossing their legs. You can still use uh, a, a rounded, a cylindrical, uh, cylindrical item to be able to place in between their legs that is comfortable. Because I know they make like those round things. So you just place it in between their legs. And also, yes, I know, you, I think if you're getting the, the item, you might be wanting to show us. So getting the cylindrical item that will be able to put around their legs and even the, the chair, the sitting position, to be able to help their legs to be positioned in such a way that they are not crossing. So I'll go first with positioning. What items are you using to help their legs not cross? Two is also still the various exercises that you can do to help their legs to be able to be strong, but it's just majorly on positioning. So then also now identify the areas the child does need in regards to the autism. So you have to work on two, both of these conditions at the same time. So occupational therapy will still work on both, so that you'll get occupational therapy that will work on still cerebral palsy and still to be able to work on the autism. Okay. 
Thank you for that. Uh, Yuli says she has a question. I, I hope she answered. We she got to ask or type it. I'm just trying to catch up with all of the questions because we're also almost time bad. Remember, we have limited time. Um, is there anyone else who has a question? Because uh, I'm not seeing any hands up. And uh, let me see. Uh -huh. Sylvia, can I just add something to what the yes. uh, yes, Lincoln was? Yeah, about um, a child with both autism and cerebral palsy. It's important to note that um, because I know they are therapists in this uh, in this meeting, it's important to know that we, as, as therapists, you do not treat diagnosis. So you look at if it's a child with autism and has cerebral palsy, you look at what can I do? What what is the manifestation of this child, and what is my aim in terms of either development? Like when you see a child who is uh, scissoring, what, what, what somebody is saying, crossing, crossing their legs, it probably means that the child could be spastic. So what you are dealing with is spasticity, whether it has come as a result of autism or cerebral palsy. So your focus is on, on normalizing the muscle tone. So I wanted to say that uh, it doesn't matter how many conditions the child is having. What you look at is what can they do, what can they do, and what can you stimulate for them to be able to do, to get, for you to be able to get the desired results. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Likon. Uh, there's a parent who said, uh, you had mentioned about early intervention. So where is the end of early intervention and uh, the next phase? How do you know your past early intervention and now you're on management? So also with the professionals in the forum, they can be able to guide us on this one. For me, I was thinking early intervention is zero to five, but I'm open to hear what the other professionals are saying. Yeah, because we have quite a number. Because remember, early can be early for anyone. Maybe my diagnosis came at 5, at 10. We are having people being diagnosed even at 30. So that is the point at which. So is it, is it age-related or is it the point of discovery that now it depends on early or management? For me, okay, one by one. <laughs> uh, if you could raise your hand, I can know and unmute who it is. Our professional identification and early identification intervention, mm -hmm. and we always say that the earlier the the identification and the intervention, the better the results. Mm -hmm. So, if the child, uh, for example, got the problem at birth, so it means that the if, even if you are able to diagnose that child or capture that child as a child with the special need below twenty eight weeks. Mm -hmm. you start therapy immediately. In fact, some of them we are now even emphasizing that therapists should even be able to visit the nurseries or, or, or maternity so that every child who is born is supposed to be examined so that if they have, there is a problem, then the follow-up can start immediately. So that's why Perpetua is saying 15 years, this child could have been, uh, had that problem maybe since birth or maybe five years. So 15 years is far too long. A lot of other things would have happened by the time you come in. So as a therapist, you consider early intervention in terms of when did the, the, when in the, when did the problem occur and at what point between the time the problem occurred and the intervention started. So if it is almost immediately, then you have intervened early. Then if it, if it has taken over a year or so, then it means that you are late in terms of intervention. Thank you, Lincoln. Any other contribution from the OTs in, this, in the room? Okay. Uh... I think uh, for early identification and intervention, mostly we look at the the, the period window where the, the, you can capture all 
a lot of things from the child. The child can learn a lot. So between the age of uh, zero to seven years, we could say I could say I think on my part is when we can actually say it's early intervention and yeah, so early identification and early intervention. So after that, mostly it's just trying to get the child to learn at least to get the highest uh, for the, the highest you can get for for them to do the best, their highest potential possible. So yeah, for me, I think it's between zero to seven years. Okay. Um, any other, if you don't have, Eunice has a question. Eunice, the show is yours. Hi, hi. Um, my question is, uh, my son is sick, and I wanted to ask her, can, can I train him on uh, balance when he's walking? Then uh, I want, I'm training him on how to ride a bicycle, but he hasn't still learned how to ride. I was asking, how do I go about it? Yes, okay. Respond to that. I was the first one was riding the bike. That's the first point I didn't hear so clearly. Walking. The second one was riding the bike. He, he asked yeah. how to how to get to give him balance when walking, and then how you get him to ride a tricycle like that. I think it's the coordination of actually that that is one I'm also being interested in how. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So with the balance, I would, I would recommend you try a bit of the, those, the, the rails at home if you can adapt something to make those rails so that he is able to get some balance. So balance also comes on the hold. So let him hold somewhere as he is walking. So the holding is very important. It can even be with the walkers, the therapist know, and they can even maybe demonstrate or show with a few pictures if someone has it close those small walkers that the children can be able to use while walking. So we can use that to be able to just give him that balance without really walking by himself. So go also, if he's, if he's trying to do it by himself, let him get the balance through the wall, the furniture and things like that. Just guide his hands so that he'll be able to know. He can try use getting the balance from all these other areas. For the bicycle, for the pedaling, I would like to know if there's any specificity that spasticity will be able to limit any kind of that, that round movement. So if there's any form of spasticity, it will be able to limit that kind of movement. But just the trial and him just being on it, it is very important. He just tries. He just tries to be on it. The other thing is the way we used to have the bicycle suspended. There's a way we used to do it when you were small. You have the bike suspended so that now a person can just cycle without it moving. So I would recommend you find a way of suspending the bike. Then now he practices without really much moving and you won't have to move quite a lot. So if the, the tone is normalized and you've done a bit of activities before placing him on the bike, just suspend it, find a way. Because I've seen also cyclers also suspending their bike and they're able to just practice cycling in the house. So find a way of suspending it and he just keeps on trying with the cycling even when he's in the house. But I would recommend he does cycling Okay. Uh, I'm sure that also answers, uh, I, I, I think. Sylvia, can I add something? Yes. Yeah, for balancing also, there are issues of uh, what we call sensory integration where you want to involve the child in uh, 
in activities like swinging and spinning as long as they do not have other complications like feats. Then number two, the parent can have uh, simple uh, papers that are cut into the size of a foot, which are arranged like, like the way you walk. You want the child to step on those papers slowly by slowly. That improves the child uh, on, the, uh, on balancing. So you just, you just need to be innovative. It's a pa some paper, you can pick some paper, you can pick colored papers, you can pick some leaves and arrange them the way the steps move. And then you ask the child to step one by one by one as they walk. That improves them on the balance. And then, of course, they said involving them with a lot of activities that we say that they are disturbing the vestibular system, which is concerned with the balance, which means uh, swinging, spinning. Those are very important things. You don't have to have a spin. You don't have to have a swing. You can use the lesso at home. A mother can use the lesso at home. Two people can hold the child and try just to swing them. That improves a lot on the balance. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. that. That's why we say we need to learn from the hacks that have been tried and tested what we can work with at home without necessarily having to visit the, the doctors. So uh, someone else has said that uh, with a Down syndrome, that we find that children learn through observation, so you need to pair them, let them see what the others are doing, because there was a question still on tricycle riding. I think that uh, that also helps with that. Then there is someone who's saying, unfortunately, the hospitals or nurses and doctors don't come out clear on what the child's life will be. So it's a challenge. I think, Patricia, that also is a challenge because you cannot quite point out like your child will be able to, to achieve a certain milestone within a certain time. You can have an hypothesis uh, time frame, but it also depends, like Patricia said earlier, um, the consistency, how dedicated you are to it, and uh, also if the child is ready, and there are very many factors that can determine. I think the doctors can only give you a general guide, but they can't guarantee, right, Perpetual? Can you guarantee yeah. that the child will be able to speak at a, <laughs> or walk or do something? So it's pretty difficult, no. uh, because they can only hope and also guide and work towards it. But then achieving it is uh, a different ballgame altogether. So someone else says, our three-year-old can't say any word. How do we train his speech? I think we will have to bring a speech OT. That's the same as speech. All kids are different. Yes, you can start therapy, but until the brain is ready for being receptive towards speech, I think it will take a while. Then there are different issues as to why kids don't talk right it could be just the communication you'd find like for andrew we discovered it was a matter of the the muscles around the mouth so then if you have a, a speech session the speech therapist would be better placed to advise so but i i always say there are parents who panic uh, like when you say like i've seen three years my son started talking at five some start talking at ten so don't beat yourself up too much. Give it time. They will get there, but don't give up. That's what I always say. Don't give up. Or what would you add, uh, Lincoln or Perpetual? What would you add onto that? Yeah, yeah. I would say it's per child base. There are children who start talking at nine. So I would say you still have to get professional help, get a speech therapist who actually works on speech so that they'll be able to improve. Yeah, and for speech, uh, sometimes you find they want to say something, but because she's asking, how do you train? There is this one of you stand in front of the mirror, you say a word. Then they can watch how you're moving your mouth and they'll try and ape that because when they look at you, it's more difficult. When they look at themselves, 
it, it, they're able to relate with this is how they're doing it and this so it's not a one-off thing you say it then they see in the mirror then they say it then they can see themselves and you repeat but consistency again is one of the things that has to has to be there yeah if, if i may add perpetua um i mean sorry sylvia if yeah. i may add again you also need uh, the parent to continuously also keep this child engaged with other children because i've discovered when i talk to a lot of parents uh, of children with disabilities sometimes we also become overprotective so that we don't allow them to mix with the other children that is very simple that can be done at the at the hospital and uh, you realize that uh, in fact i've seen a number of parents coming so late and saying my child cannot say a word mm. kumbe it is just that simple thing most importantly keep your child with other children they will train the child how to speak more better than and more faster than than, than you and me yeah um that one i can speak from experience over the december period i had my nanny bring her kids home and uh my my son right now has picked up swahili because he was so addicted to more of english now it they get challenged and even now andrew now because he sees bradley's talking he'll challenge himself like which word is that and try and also ape that so the more social settings you put for them then the easier and also you talk to them and ask them over and over again i've seen there's a parent who's asking about um discipline where uh, if you tell it that when they tell I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to beat time because we have limited time and we're winding up. Um, we'll bring an uh, speech therapist so that we'll be able to ask all about talking. But then how would you recommend you, you handle a child who, when you tell them to stop something, they get violent? How do you control that reaction of violence when it comes to discipline? Okay, so I'll go for the, the children who have still challenges with, with, with that, with crying when they don't want something or with crying or grabbing or getting violent. One is to be able first to try and train before the incident occurs. So for example, you, you know that he grabs or cries and things like that. So you have to explain that this one is for now, this one is for later. And then you have to be so consistent. If you if you if you pick, pick a form of like discipline, be consistent with it. I know people have different of, uh, opinions of what forms of different of, uh, opinions of what forms of discipline they use. So I would say that this bottle and I refuse. I shouldn't give him because then now he has a tantrum. If I said no, it is a no. This bottle we are not taking it. So then now he has to understand. So some of the children on the autism spectrum. They won't really understand by hearing, they will understand by seeing consistency. For them, it is routine. Once they see this bottle has been refused today, and it is refused tomorrow, and it is refused the next day, they will get it and say, okay, if I want this bottle, I either ask it nicely, or I actually don't get it. So because the, the challenge is if we don't show our children boundaries and discipline, as they go older, they will be more violent and they will be able to do more havoc. I've seen a home that has no windows because the 25-year-old, when he doesn't get what he wants, he breaks all the windows. So you find that if you don't nip it in the bud when they are younger, if you don't create a form of discipline, if they don't understand a no is a no, if they don't have also parameters to guide their behavior, as they grow older, it will get worse. And they, they, the older they grow, 
the harder it is for you to control them. Okay, and I'd also like to add something this, uh, on, in the speech conversation. Uh, remember, before a child can start on speech, you also there, ha there has to be assessment by a professional because you cannot start on speech until they are settled. So uh, you, you, there's always a guideline on the sensory issues have to be sorted. So those are some of those, um, how you progress and which therapy comes before which, I think would be left for, for the professionals to guide. For now, you can try using things like flashcards, talking to them, like like when you're in the house, then you say, I'm giving this is a plate, then you relate with it. The more times they hear, they see, because they're very visual, they will get to understand. Um, sadly, we have to come to an end of this forum. Uh, I am very grateful for all of you who showed up. Next week, we shall be having um, Derek. Derek will be covering emotional intelligence. So for all the things we are feeling, what we are going through, um, so how do we how do we handle that? How do we balance life when you're feeling like you want to give up? How do we put all this together? Then after that, now the other Saturday we'll have a speech therapist. So I'm hoping that we'll all be able to come back. So save the date, same time, same place. We will upload this on the Andy Speaks website and also the the info hub. For those who don't know, we have a platform called same place. We will upload this on the Andy Speaks website and also the, the info hub. For those who don't know, we have a platform called uh, Special Needs Info Hub where we try to elaborate and put resources up so that parents can access. We are working on gathering all the therapists, all the caregiver uh, services that you need to support you online but we all try to do that after they're verified the same as for schools and all that so and also if you're not following us on our facebook page do the same and on ig and all that we're working towards supporting you the best way we can during these tough times and we hope that at least we'll be able to get somewhere so thank you for hanging out with us this afternoon thank you perpetual for such an awesome presentation I'm sure you can tell that it was, uh, it was about time and parents needed it more. And maybe we might try and have one now specifically, because I see when it comes to parents with cerebral palsy children, it's more of the muscular. I think today we've done more of the learning and the how. So we can try and see as hard as it is, how we can be able to guide the parents who have cerebral palsy children who need to continue with the physical therapy. Maybe we can have a part two. Oh. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Try and have that and we'll see. And uh, do have a lovely one. Enjoy your weekend and uh, take care of those babies. And don't forget yourself. Remember, you have to be okay for them to be okay. And thank you for being great participants for today's session. Right. Have a lovely, lovely weekend. and. Bye. 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 Are you able to save the conversation? Good.